What troubles you? What stress is there in your life? Illness, aging, natural disasters, employment, conflicts in family, conflicts with coworkers, conflicts, I mean, any number of things can trouble us. And sometimes we think about God, we want to know, does God really understand? Does Jesus really understand? Was Jesus ever troubled with what the future held for him? Was he ever troubled with what was going on around him? We look in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 12 and verse 27, Jesus says, I am deeply troubled. And his trouble was not a minor trouble. His trouble was a problem that was going to end with his death. Would you consider that to be a troubling matter? If you knew that your life was going to end in seven days, would that trouble you? Jesus in John chapter 12 and verse 27 tells his disciples, I am troubled. Notice what he says as we look together in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 27. Jesus says, my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying that an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death with which he was to die. The crowd then answered him, we have heard out of the law that the Christ has remained forever. How can you now say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, for a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. As we look at this passage, I want us to begin by thinking about how Jesus was troubled. What does it mean that Jesus was troubled? I want us to notice how Jesus dealt with troubling things in his life and the stress that he faced, and I want us to think about how we can follow his example when we face troubling things and events in our lives. Let's look at this phrase, being deeply troubled. We see it a number of times in, in Scripture. Here Jesus says, my soul is troubled. But what exactly does that mean? What is the meaning of troubled in this sense? Does it just mean I'm a little upset? Does it mean uh, you know, I'm facing great distress, great emotional pain? What does it mean? We see this word used in a number of places. Sometimes it can mean absolute terror, absolute horror. For instance, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, we see uh, in that instance that when Herod hears that there is a child that's been born who's supposed to be the king of the Jews, and guess what? Herod's the king of the Jews. The text says that he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
And the reason all Jerusalem was troubled with Herod is because they knew that Herod was a crazy man. This was a guy who got jealous of two of his sons who he thought might take away the throne from him, so he had him killed. This is a man that was so troubled uh, at wanting to hang on to power that he had his favorite wife killed. So when it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, that all Jerusalem was troubled with him, they weren't just a little distressed. They knew bad things were coming. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. There's that word being translated terrified in that instance. And said, it is a ghost. They didn't know that was Jesus. They saw someone uh, walking on the sea. And when was the last time you saw someone walk on the sea? Did that terrify you? I think I might be a little concerned. So sometimes the word is used, and it doesn't just mean a little distressed or have a little bit of concern, but actual terror, the actual emotional response of terror. Sometimes the word means literally, in a sense, stirred, distressed. Uh, sometimes the word means, in a figurative sense, distressed. What does Jesus mean here? Jesus is literally stirred. He's literally troubled in his emotions uh, by what he knows is coming upon him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. We find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's turn over there, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 26. It's interesting when we look at Jesus in the Garden, in the various places in Scripture in which it records uh, what he endured. Matthew chapter 26, <coughs> excuse me, and verse 37. You know, when you get the big print paper, uh, lettering, it makes your pages heavier. It makes them harder to turn, I guess. Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Verse 38. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Jesus wasn't just a little bit concerned. He says, my soul is grieved to the point of death. Look at verse 39. He went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what, you, what I will, but as you will. Jesus knew what death would bring to him, and he was concerned about death. There are some people who argue, well, maybe Jesus didn't really know what was going to happen to him. I think when you read the complete story in, in, in the Gospels, he knew from the very beginning what was going to happen to him. He tells his disciples on multiple occasions, I'm going to be killed uh, at the hands of the leadership, and I'm going to be raised again on the third day. I, I suppose for some of us we think, well, you know, if you, knew, you know you're going to be raised on the third day and have life again, it's not all that bad. Oh, really? You know someone's going to take some nails and pierce your wrists and your ankles? You know someone's going to take some spear and thrust it in your side? You know someone's going to take a crown of thorns and beat it down into your head? You know that someone's going to slap you, spit in your face? For 30 years as you walk on the earth, you know that's going to happen to you? Is that not going to weigh you down? Is that not going to trouble you? Especially as that day gets closer and closer. In John chapter 12, Jesus is is within just a few hours, really, of that happening. And Jesus knows what's going to happen. And it had to be weighing on him greatly. Certainly in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37, he's very quickly going to be arrested. 
He knows. He has sorrow. He has great pain. The word distress is used three times in this passage. <coughs> in the parallel account, we look in Mark chapter 14 and verse 33, we see some of the same language used. Mark chapter 14 and verse 33. He took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my, point is so, uh, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And again, he prays to his father that this cup would pass from him. Again, greatly distressed. Falls and Schneider add that perhaps the word here even includes physical trembling. He uses the word troubled twice in this passage. Perhaps the greatest example or the greatest passage our most detailed passage is Luke's account. Let's look at that together. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. Beginning in verse 41, it says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood, falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Luke adds some details here. He uses the word agony. The Logical Dictionary of the New Testament defines as being in great tension in the face of imminent decisions or disasters. Does that not describe what Jesus was facing? Jesus was more than a little stressed about what was about to happen to him. He was in agony. He was troubled. He was uh, deeply stressed to the point of death at what he was facing. And Luke adds that detail of the fact that he was praying so hard that his sweat was as if they were great drops of blood. I've never prayed that hard. I've never prayed so much that I've even gotten a little bit of perspiration on my head. I, I, I have to be honest and say I've never had that. But to have it described as praying so hard that my body is in such uh, fervent exercise as I'm praying, that I begin to sweat so greatly, that I have so much stress, that I'm starting to pray so greatly that the, that the sweat drops to the ground like great drops of blood. This was not a light matter for Jesus. He knew what was coming. And it weighed on his mind greatly. In the context of these passages, we see that Jesus is there in the garden. Finally, in Matthew, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, uh, we find that Jesus cried out greatly during this prayer. Matthew, or Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Notice what it says. In, his, in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Hebrews' account, I think, refers back to the Garden of Gethsemane, but it could be broader than that. It could be more occasion than that. 
But Jesus knew what was going to happen, and it weighed on him. Crying out with loud tears, or crying out loudly with tears. And this wasn't just a, a minor prayer. Earnestly begging the Father, let this go some other way. And yet he was still there saying, not my will, but yours be done. He remained faithful to God. So as we think about the stress that Jesus faced, so the next question for us is, well, how did he deal with it? What did Jesus do to overcome his stress or to deal with his stress and what was troubling him? First thing we know is that he wasn't incapacitated. His fear, his stress wasn't so great that he let it stop him from his mission. He knew very well what his mission was. And so he continues to pray, not my will, but your will be done. He tells his disciples as we come back to John chapter 12, our text for this morning, and we look at John chapter 12, he, he says, my soul has become grieved to the point of death, or my soul has become deeply grieved. And what does he say? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I came to this hour. And so again, John chapter 12 happens a few days before Jesus' crucifixion. And here he's saying, this is what's coming. This is what's going to happen to me. But what shall I say? God, don't you know, take me from this hour. He said, this is the very reason I came. Sometimes we can let stress and things troubling us become so great in our lives that we just stop. We don't know what to do. Jesus didn't let that happen to himself. He didn't let it stop his mission. He did not hide his distress. He's sharing it with his apostles. Did you notice that? Here are these four, or excuse me, here are these, these 11 disciples, these weaklings compared to God. And yet he shares with them what he's feeling, what he's thinking. Sometimes as human beings, especially us tough men, as you can tell I'm a big tough guy, sometimes we let, as, as men especially, we want to hide our feelings, we want to you know, hide them away. Uh, one of the great 70s song, songs from the 70s that I sometimes uh, sang that Kimberly always shakes her head at, I can't remember who, who sang it, but the song, Don't Cry Out Loud. Just keep it inside. Learn how to hide your feelings. Yeah, I love that song. But it's horrible lyrics, right? Because it's teaching you to bottle things up, and that's not very healthy. Don't hide the distress. Turn it to God. That's what Jesus does. He turns to his Father. Now, he has great faith in his Father. If there's any other way, let it be. But if not, let your will be done. And so he turns to his father, and he spends time in prayer. At the end of this text, you notice it says in verse 37 that Jesus spoke these things, and he went and he hid himself from them. That seems to be the opposite of him sharing his distress with his apostles. But when we look at what Jesus does on a regular basis during his life and his ministry, and even here uh, as we look at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's not just going and hiding as if under a rock. He's going and spending time in prayer. Uh, he left the immediate situation of the distress that he faced as he's there with his apostles, as he's there with those around his apostles. 
uh, as there are some that are beginning to criticize him, hey, wait a minute, how can you be leaving if you're supposed to be the Messiah and the Messiah is supposed to stay forever? That probably added to his stress a little bit. Probably made him want to pull his hair out a little bit. And so he leaves that situation. But what did he do? He goes and he prays. As we look in the synoptic accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus often slipped away for prayer. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Often slip away to prayer. We see Jesus often uh, going to the mountains and going to a lonely mountain to pray. And as we see, saw already in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, that Jesus did that. That's he, had, he offered up loud prayers, and prayers with loud crying and tears. And so he shared with his father. He spent time in prayer over the things that were distressing to him. We find some principles here for dealing with our stress. Ever feel like you're between a rock and a hard place? Ever look, feel like there's no way that you can get out of a situation? What do you do? How do you deal with that? The first place, first thing you need to do is admit you're struggling. Jesus admitted to his disciples, I am deeply troubled. And if Jesus can do that as the creator of the universe, certainly we ought to be able to do that. We sometimes share with people, you know what, I'm struggling. I don't know how I'm going to make it this week. I know this is going on in my life, and I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. You don't have to do that by yourself. As a church family, we ought to be able to share with each other our concerns, and we ought to be able to show each other love and encouragement and seek to help each other. We need to recognize the importance of being able to share with each other what's going on in our lives and to seek out for help. We have to admit it to ourselves. We have to admit it to others. And don't become stalled. Don't let your stress keep you from doing the things that you need to be doing. Doesn't mean don't take a break. Doesn't mean don't leave a situation at times. But don't let it become so overwhelming in your life that it keeps you from doing the things that you need to do. Jesus didn't. And so obviously you need to spend time in prayer. Just as Jesus spent time in prayer, we need to spend time in prayer. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to pray. And I've heard people say, well, I don't know how I ought to pray. Uh, what, do I, what should I talk to God about? Should I share with God all the needs that I have? Well, you know what? When you look at Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, with all thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known to him with all prayers and supplications, let your request be known to him. And he uses three different words for prayer. The general word for prayer, just praying. The prayer for, or the word for asking, making requests, but then supplications, making a detailed list of what you need. And sometimes what that means is when we pray to God, you know, we're afraid to, to talk to God about uh, why something is a problem for us. God, just take this problem away from me. Have you ever thought? To share with God how you're feeling. God, I'm really scared about what's coming down the line. I, I don't know how I'm going to, to deal with this. I don't feel like anyone around me understands what's going on. I don't feel like I can share with, uh, with others what's going on. I, I just don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I'm afraid uh, of what I'm going to do in dealing with the stress. Have you ever talked to God like Sometimes we need to do that. 
Sometimes we just need to find a lonely place and get down on our knees and pray to God and say, God, I really messed up. And because I messed up, this is what's going on in my life. Or, God, I don't know why this is going on around me, but there are things outside of my control that are really bearing down on my life, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Share those things with God. Because as Peter says, he cares for you. So what do we do now? <coughs> First of all, hopefully it's a comfort to you to know that he's been there. When we deal with stress, when we deal with things that are troubling in our lives, sometimes we get stuck in that Middle Ages Renaissance painting of God being that old man with a long gray beard, a long white beard, off in the distance. And sometimes we forget that when Jesus was here in the flesh, he really did endure everything that you and I have endured and more. I don't know what it would be like to know I'm going to die in seven days. I have no idea what it would be like to know in seven days, not only am I going to die, but I'm going to go through some very painful, horrible experiences. And on top of that, everyone that I've been working with for the last three years are going to run away from me and flee and abandon me and act like they don't know me. One of the people that was closest to me is going to tell people three times in earshot of where I am but they don't know who I am. Have you ever been abandoned? That was Jesus. And so when you pray to God and you pray to Christ and you say the things that are on your heart and you lay those things down, you're not praying to someone who has no idea. You're praying to someone who's been there and knows exactly what you're feeling and what's going on in your life. Be honest about the cause of your stress. Sometimes you may not know what the cause of your stress is. Sometimes in work situations forever, you just, you just know that there's something coming down the line, there's, there's some kind of problem, you don't know why it's happening. But sometimes you do. As much as possible, be honest about the cause of your stress. See if you can identify it. Uh, see if you can address it. Now, sometimes the way to address it is to leave a situation. There are some people that I don't understand. They just stay in a situation where they could change it. Doesn't mean it's always easy to change it, but sometimes you need to change it. You're dealing with someone that's addicted to narcotics or, or drugs or alcohol. Uh, it's difficult for them to escape that situation, but one of the things that they have to do is get away from the people around them that are in it. Because if it's constantly around you, it's very hard to overcome it. And so sometimes there's stress in our lives, and we can address it. And sometimes that means leaving a situation. <coughs> and stay focused. Stay focused on who you are as a Christian, as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a brother or sister. Stay focused and be open. Be open for others to help you. Be open to others trying to give you love and give you encouragement and give you suggestions and give you help. And then finally pray. Pray as Christ prayed. Because sometimes when we're in the darkest hours of our life, that may be the only avenue we have for dealing with our stress. Don't leave God out, but lean on him. 
because he cares for you. If you're here this morning, there's stress in your life, there's things going on in your life that are concerning for you. You don't know how you're going to deal with it. God can help you. He wants to help you. He has said that he wants to help you. If you're here this morning and you have needs that you'd like the church to know about so we can encourage you and lift you up, whatever your needs, won't you come? Just together we stand and sing.